0: You're listening to the 1A Podcast. I'm Jen White. Last week, we kicked off this year's Sounds of America series with Carla Hayden, America's 14th Librarian of Congress. Every year, 25 audio recordings are added to the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress. Today, we spotlight one of them, a spoken word treasure from astrophysicist and author Carl Sagan. To begin our story, we hear from someone who knew Carl Sagan very well.
1: My name is Annie Drian and it was the greatest honor of my life to think and to write and to build a family with Carl Sagan. And I got to be the creative director of the Voyager Interstellar message. And in the unfolding of the project was the unfolding of our great love for each other a true life.
2: In the late summer of 1977, two unmanned spacecraft, Voyager 1 and 2, lifted off from Cape Canaveral atop Titan Centaur rockets. Traveling uninterrupted through interstellar space, the Voyagers will endure forever, long after everything man has ever built has crumbled into dust. It's hard
3: now to recapture the feeling back in the late 60s and early 70s when we were doing something for the first time in history. We were exploring the planets for the first time. I'm John Lomberg. I'm an artist and I worked closely with Carl Sagan on most of his media projects for almost three decades. The Voyager spacecraft were built to explore the outer solar system. The pictures would just emerge from dots to little disks to eventually worlds full of detail. They were some of the most exciting days of my life.
2: All of the planets in Voyager's path were in perfect alignment. Something that occurs only once every 176 years. An interplanetary home run. A grand slam.
1: We are reconnoitering the outer planets. We're rendezvousing with countless moons that we've never seen before and volcanoes on those moons. It just It's one of the greatest most bountiful missions of discovery in our history.
4: Voyager 1 is one of five spacecraft to have enough energy to leave the solar system entirely. Entirely. Well, if you're going to do that, why not put messages on it in case somebody finds it? I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History. Carl Sagan and his wife, Ann Druyan, got together and decided, let's affix this spacecraft with cultural representations of humanity.
1: To me, it was the greatest conceptual art piece in the history of our species.
4: They put iconographs on the side that showed our solar system, the spacecraft, a map of where we are in the galaxy, and also a record.
2: In the event the spacecraft encounter alien intelligence, both voyagers carry a copper phonograph record, a message celebrating the sights and sounds of Earth.
4: wish to extend greetings and friendly wishes to all who may encounter this Voyager and receive this. Para futuro
3: The purpose of the record is to tell whoever finds it something about ourselves and our world.
1: Hello from the children of planet Earth.
3: So when the opportunity came to actually send some music into space, Carl contacted me and said, would you like to help us design the record?"
1: The idea of sending a message which included our music.
4: Beethoven and Mozart and Chuck Berry even.
1: Images of life on Earth.
4: Our heartbeats, our greetings in multiple languages.
1: And the sounds of this planet.
4: This was a floating museum, really, of who and what we are at that time.
1: A record that has a shelf life of one to five billion years, now the most distant objects ever touched by human hands.
4: Well, that spacecraft, when it passed Neptune, Carl Sagan said, let's turn the onboard camera back towards the inner solar system, and let's find Earth and
3: photograph it. Now everybody loves the idea, but I remember there being a lot of opposition to the idea at the time.
1: There was tremendous resistance from scientists, engineers, and bureaucrats.
3: Even though there were no science pictures left to take, there was still resistance to do something that was just for some intangible, spiritual, feel-good kind of goal.
1: So he kept going back to NASA and he kept getting no's.
4: You're far away. What point is that?
1: Surely people felt this. They kept saying, what science can be found in seeing the Earth from such a distance?
5: The Earth would appear too small for Voyager to make out any detail. Our planet would be just a point of light, a lonely pixel, hardly distinguishable from the many other points of light Voyager would see, nearby planets, far off suns. But precisely because of the obscurity of our world thus revealed,
4: such a picture might be worth having. Carl Sagan convinces NASA to do this.
1: He finally got a yes. They were gonna take the picture.
4: The ship was speeding away from the sun
5: at 40,000 miles an hour. But in early February of 1990, it was overtaken by an urgent message from Earth.
1: And so on Valentine's Day in 1990, there was Voyager 1 high above the plane of the solar system, looking down on the family of worlds of the sun and took that picture.
5: The spacecraft was 3.7 billion miles away from Earth, so far away that it took each pixel five and a half hours traveling at the speed of light to reach us.
1: And I remember vividly Carl bringing that picture home and sitting with him on our living room couch and staring at it. A one pixel world, a single dot.
4: Yes, a pale blue dot. This is how
5: the planets would look to an alien spaceship approaching the solar system after a long, interstellar voyage. Because of the reflection of sunlight off the spacecraft, the Earth seems to be sitting in a beam of light, as if there were some special significance to this small world. But it's just an accident of geometry and optics.
1: We began doing a kind of meditation on this pale blue dot, and what it meant to us, and what he felt, and then I felt too. Could, in Kafka's phrase, melt that frozen sea inside of us to make us awaken and grasp our true circumstances and put away the childish things that dominated our very sloppy and dangerous adolescence as a civilization, and begin to grow up so that we could hope to preserve this exquisite little world
4: of ours. He published a book called The Pale Blue Dot in which he waxes poetic, philosophical, cultural, scientific, political on the meaning of seeing Earth from such a distance. And there's a particular section of the book that is especially moving especially poignant, where it encapsulates what it feels like to be human on such a small speck of rock. From this distant vantage point,
5: the Earth might not seem of any particular interest, but for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here, that's home, that's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their
4: lives.
1: You can feel he is speaking straight
4: from the heart. It's basically a list of things that create a picture of all that we know, love, and care about in civilization.
5: The aggregate of our joy and suffering thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, Every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam.
4: The words that capture the pale blue dot are some of the most stirring emotional phrasings I've ever seen written about science and society.
5: The earth is a very small stage in a vast, cosmic arena.
1: If we could see the Earth as it really is, surely many people would come to a new realization of how fragile our tiny world is, how completely foolish, sick, perverted it is that the resonance of one part of that dot are attacking the residents of another part of that dot.
5: Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot.
4: And you read these passages and you come away saying, how stupid it is that we are the same species and go out of our way to divide ourselves the way we have.
5: Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light.
3: All his career, Carl espoused something he called the cosmic perspective. And the cosmic perspective was a way of looking at, not the cosmos, not looking at the galaxies, but a way of looking at ourselves and realizing that we are on a planet, we are in space. It was a reminder that we are in a much larger cosmic reality. And when you look at things through this perspective, it changes everything.
1: This is why science is so precious to me because it's truly one of the only human endeavors that saves the highest rewards for those who prove our most cherished beliefs are wrong.
5: The earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit, yes. Settle, not yet. Like it or not, for the moment, the earth is where we make our stand.
4: And you're left speechless by the end.
1: The recording of Carl speaking his meditation on the bale blue dot has fulfilled and exceeded our wildest dreams for its impact.
6: My name is Dr. Kamran Rashid Khan, and my stage name is Lazarus. The name of my new track is called Pale Blue Dot in homage of Carl Sagan and his beautiful speech about the earth from the perspective of the Voyager 1 of the pale blue dot. We live within our limits from our frail rooftops As we look up to the clouds, see if rain don't drop Every day on earth's a struggle, pain don't stop But from where I'm at, all I see is a pale blue dot from every great conqueror To all of those oppressed To every species above and below the ocean crest For anything we've known within our plain view stops Cause from where I'm at All I see is a pale blue dot Reimagining that concept and that speech Into a modern vernacular hip-hop format When you just alter your perspective even for a single moment and then just think about everything that's going on in the world all the problems all the starvation all the diseases all the pain all the suffering and you zoom out and look at it all from the perspective of that Voyager that saw the pale blue dot it just completely it's almost like it alleviates all of the pain
4: when you connect science to life you have a different product you have a different message you have a different lesson and the pale blue dot was connecting science to life. Many
3: times when giving public talks, I would hear somebody in the audience say to Carl that looking up at the universe always made them feel insignificant. And Carl's response to that was always, then do something significant.
1: It's that combination of scientific knowledge and expertise and humility and kindness and feeling that I think makes Carl's soliloquy on the pale blue dot. So powerful.
5: It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known.
0: Telling us the story of the Pale Blue Dot were Carl Sagan's collaborator and wife, Andrian and astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. We also heard from artist John Lomberg and rapper Lazarus, whose new song premiered from the International Space Station earlier this month, the first song in history to do so. The Sounds of America is produced by Jenny Cataldo for a Company Studios. All our previous features can be found at the1a.org. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.